Welcome to today's broadcast of Kingdom Authority with your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. Tune in each Sunday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via Blog Talk Radio through Kingdom Empowerment Incorporated. Follow Dancia on Facebook at Dancia Jones-Morris or DanciaJ.com. You can also call your hosts and guests at area code 646-668-2413. Thank you for joining Kingdom Authority. And now here's your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. Kingdom Authority. Power Kingdom. Kingdom Authority. Good evening, good evening. So glad you're able to join us tonight on Kingdom Authority. I am your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris, and I'm so excited to be with you on tonight. It's the Love Month. It's also Black History Month, and we're going to be talking about some things related to both things. I am so happy and excited about this month. I love February because it's... um, celebrates a couple of things that are near and dear to me, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's um, broadcast. We're talking about fear and blessing, and we have a special guest that will join us um, in just about 25, 30 minutes. We'll bring um, him on, and I'm excited to be here, him for him to be here with us. I'm going to tell you, this is the day that the Lord has made, and I hope you rejoice today. I hope you're glad about today. I hope you did what you needed to do today, which is to give God praise. He is so worthy of our praise. And I will tell you, part of operating in kingdom authority is the ability and the willingness and the obedience to give God praise, to speak well of him, to say what good about him, to tell the world about the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, and God our Father, who keeps us and who blesses us each and every day. It's a great day to bless God. It's a great in your territory that he has given you in this season of your life. And I tell you, if you take authority in the kingdom of God with the giftings he has graced you with, you will have no problems going into your destiny. It's all about your decision. It is all about your decision. And we're going to talk about the decision to love, the decision to love. So I want to go ahead and um, pray, and then we're going to go into a few things and share about love, uh, love in um, different ethnic backgrounds, and we'll talk about love in the black community as well. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. We do bless your holy and righteous name. You are definitely Adonai. You're the majestic one. You are El Shaddai. You are the God that is more than enough. And, Lord, we seek you for the things that we try to seek in people. You supply those needs, Father. And so we go to you. You are definitely our everything. You are our rock, our shield, our protector, our our, our sanity, Father. You are Savior. You're the Holy One. You're the great I am. You're the righteous one. And we adore you. We praise you. We lift you high because you are God. And regardless of what we go through, you're still God. Regardless of what we think, you're still God. Regardless of what we say, you're still God. And regardless of what we do, you are still God and you're sovereign. We bless your holy and righteous name, Yahweh, and we call upon you, Jehovah, 
to be our everything, and we are very specific about what we need from you, Lord. Help us to be specific about what we need from you. And, Father, we cannot go without saying we love you, we give our lives to you, and we say yes to your will. We pray today for the guests. We pray right now, Lord, for the words, and we pray for every listener, Father. You do the work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. What a blessing it is. I see you all coming on. Thank you so much um, for getting on tonight. We're going to spend about 20 minutes over the next few minutes and just um, talking about some things regarding love and then um, talking about fear and blessing. Um, Our special guest will be coming on talking about that. Listen, love remains America's top reason to marry. These are statistics from, and I'm just going to read some things regarding Pew Research Center. People really believe that you should still get married for love. That is above making a lifelong commitment, which is interesting. People don't really get into marriage because of a lifelong commitment or companionship, and even less, they get into it to have children. They just feel it's love. But what we found, people have a limited understanding of love and don't realize that love is something that is a lifelong commitment. So we're not just talking about marriages on today. We're just talking about what what love looks like in the world. From the Pew Research um, Center, you can go there at pewresearch.org, it says that why why do people get married? The percentage of the general public do say that love is a very important reason to get married. That's 88% of the population out of this um, um, the data that they collected. 81% said they want to make a lifelong commitment. 76% said for companionship. And 49 people, 40%, 49% said to have children. Very interesting. There's lots of data on love. There are several different people. The reasons that people are not married vary between different things, such as a lot of people say they're not ready to settle down between the ages of 18 to 24, and then it gradually goes down from the 33% for the ages of 24 um, as you get older, obviously, because you should be getting ready. Or they say they're too young. A lot of people say they're not financially prepared. Now, the interesting part of this, why people don't get married, they say not financially prepared, from the 18 to 24, it's 26% that say that. But as they get older, that the reason to not get married, of not fi- not being financially prepared, go- is higher, 34%. Isn't that interesting? You would think that the older you get, the more you're working towards finance, being financially fit. I'm going to call it that, financially fit. And you should be a little bit more um, grounded in your careers, but they don't get married the older they get, saying that's because of not financially prepared. Interesting. Then as you get older, they say, you haven't found what you're looking for. Well, what are you looking for? Do you even know who you are? Do you even know what you're really looking for? Maybe because we've had so many different relationships, we're unsure of what we should be doing or how we should be doing it. I want you to follow me because I'm going to go somewhere with this. 
Um, I looked at some data, and people know this already, and um, for the number of marriages that end up in divorce and the reasons being, it's because people don't want a lifelong commitment. And so we're talking about love on today, right? We're talking about love because there are so many people for love. I saw so many sites with so much information and gathering information about love. Why? Because love is important. It's it's within us to love, love someone or love something. Now, in this world, love has become so prevalent for a thing than it has for someone. And so I want to go through some scriptures to really help us to understand. I did this, you know, a few months ago, but we're going to dive into some things about love. There's many scriptures. The Bible is, I mean, is wrapped up in love. And if we get a grasp on this, we can treat our neighbors better. We can be better. We can be happier in our homes. Our families can be happier. Our churches can be happier. Our congregations and our workplace if we just have more love. Isn't that interesting? And so I want to talk about this because so many people are, are, are fearful of loving, and as a result, they don't get the blessings from loving. Now, the blessings are always in, in the natural state. There are some things mentally, some things spiritually, uh, many things spiritually that you gain from loving. doesn't mean not, you're not going to be hurt. Matter of fact, to love is to die. <laughs> I said to love is to die in one um in one um 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 in one way or another you're going to die meaning that there's a part of you that will have to die in order to love and that looks so different from one relationship to the next you wonder why Jesus had to die because he had to show the ultimate love. Let's go into this. You know, I like, um, I really like quotes and so forth. So I will go into many different quotes and we'll talk about different things. But I first want to go to the scripture. If you can go to Genesis 22.2. Thank you for coming on. I see you. Genesis 22.2. The first thing, the, why people are looking for love, because love often is related to who you're related to. Love comes about because of a relationship. Love um, comes to life because of who you are related to or a relationship with someone. Genesis 22.2. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. The main reason that there's such love between um, um, Isaac and Abraham is because, first of all, it's his promised son. It's his, at what the Bible says, only son, even though Abraham had another son, Ishmael. But this was his only son because Ishmael was away. Um, and I'm not sure if he was away at this time, but Ishmael wasn't the promised son. And so he wasn't a part of that that unity with Abraham and Sarah. 
And so love is also related to you can have a child, automatically going to love that child, automatically going to love that grandchild. You, and, 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 and family, normally because they're, they're family, you just, it's, it's almost required to love them because of the relationship. And that's why a lot of times I've been going through things of blended families. And that's why a lot of times so many people that are from the outside that are not from that biological state feel unloved because there's already a love that, that, is, um, that is already between blood. And so you have to enter into that slowly and become a part of that. But always the blood seems to be a lot Thicker. And so you have, people have to learn to incorporate others, um, you know, to love one another. It's, it's a beautiful thing. But when you begin to do that, when you begin to grow into that, then you show the love of God and true unity comes about. Let me go on to the love also brings comfort. Um, Genesis twenty four sixty seven says, Genesis twenty four sixty seven. This is the New King James Version. Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, came his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So this is at a time that Isaac's mother Sarah, um, some people still say Sarai, had 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 died, and so. He took upon a wife, Isaac took upon a wife, and because of the union between them, because of the relationship in love between them, it comforted him in the passing of his mother because Isaac had, you know, as anyone, was grieving the death of his mother. And so as a result, um, this other woman comes, his now wife, and this this season of his life, he's comforted because of his love for her and her love for him. So love can bring comfort. We wonder why there's so much out there about love when we see all these different bachelors, you know, and bachelorette shows, and we see these dating shows, and oh, everyone's online looking for love because there's so many things that come with love. Here's this. Love is also demonstrated with who we love, who we share similarities with. This seems like, let me say this again so you get it. We love who we share similarities with. Genesis twenty-five twenty-eight says, and Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So let me tell you this. Normally we tend to be attracted to or show love more for the person and um, or thing that we can, that we identify with more. And so as a result, you'll see some parents, not all, some parents will seemingly love a child more over another. And I say seemingly because it just looks different because you may have more similarities with that child. But as we know, great parents don't necessarily love a child one child more than the other. Great parents, I say. There are some parents, though, that will demonstrate that they love a child more than the other because of similarities. 
But what I had to learn is take a step back and kind of look at this thing. And, you know, the Lord is so great. He will show you different aspects of love and what that looks like in order to teach you how to love better and how to see love in a whole different eye. And so Isaac loved Esau because they ate of the same game. They did the same. They hunted. But Rebecca loved Jacob because Jacob, he really was a mama's boy. And so he did, so Rebecca did more for Jacob than Isaac did for Jacob because of the similarities, the way they do things, the way they look at things. You know, um, Jacob liked more things that were domestic. Well, well, Esau, Esau went out and hunted, and Jacob didn't. So, you know, different parents, we love who we share similarities with. When, when a, and when, when someone starts dating someone, it's because you look at them and there's something you like about them that's attractive to them because it's what you like. And as a result, you start seeing similarities and then, you know, love comes up. Okay. Why is, why is love so important? Genesis 27.4. We love who we're similar to. Listen to this. And make me savory food. This is still um, Isaac. Such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. We love who's going to do things for us. We love a person who we see, you know, make us happy. I'm going to shift in a little while, so don't get stuck on that. This is the beginning normally of love. This is normally beginning of human love. Love. Love can also be timeless. This is an incredible story. Genesis 29, and I'm going to read verse 20, New King James Version. Why is love so important to the world? Because love can be timeless. Listen to this. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Isn't that amazing? Genesis 29:20 served seven, day, seven years for Rachel. Rachel's daddy was something else. He said, you want my daughter? You're going to have to serve me to get her. Seven years, the number of completion. And they seemed only a few days. Jacob, what in the world? Seven years is a long time, timeless for him. So he didn't, if you know the story, if you don't, I'll tell you, tell you a little bit. He didn't end up getting Rachel after seven years. He got Leah, the one he didn't want, which is the oldest daughter, because it was the, it was the custom that the oldest daughter was to marry first. And so his dad tricked him. I mean, her, their, their father tricked him. Um, that was Laban. Laban's their father. And so Laban tricked him and gave him Leah. Then verse 30 of Genesis 29. Then Jacob also went into Rachel, and he also loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban still another seven years. He, Jacob worked 14 years to get this woman, y'all. 14 years. Love can be timeless. And he did it because he loved her. Let me read this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, 7 through 8. 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, 4th verse, and 7 through 8. Listen to this. What is love? Why is it so important? What is love? Love is patient. Love is kind. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres 
Love never fails. What does that say to you? I wish somebody could chime in. I really do. It means that regardless of the situation, you're going to show some level of patience with that some with that person. Regardless of the situation, you're going to you're choosing. Love is a choice too. I want you to understand. We can choose to love. We do choose to be patient. We choose to be kind. It's not that you always want to be, but it does protect. It does sometimes you may not you may not even feel like trusting, but you make a choice to trust. You know, you know, I was watching this woman um on this show and she truly believes she's married to someone and believes this person is who they are and she's so blinded because she feels she has chosen I want you guys to hear me. She has chosen to love this person and and <laughs> to love this person this way, regardless of the fact that she's seen the person, regardless of the fact that she feels like sometimes they're tricking her, she does she truly demonstrates these things of love. Now, we can say what we want, but the Bible says love never fails. So as much as I think one thing about it, I saw something in that. When you choose something, guess what? You're going to go to the extent that the Bible says it always perseveres. It's a choice, though. I believe there's wisdom that should be involved, definitely. I really do. But the Bible talks here, love is patient, kind, always protect, always trust, always hope, always perseveres, and love never fails. What kind of love is this? Now, if everybody treated everyone the same way, we wouldn't have a, wouldn't have a problem. We we're talking about that in our, our family prayer call today. If everyone had some level of this, 1 Corinthians 13, 47 through 8, we, we probably, we de- not probably, we definitely have a better world. Let me keep continue on. Why is love so important? Listen, I'm going to tell you something here. Love can also bring hatred, so don't get, don't get twisted about love. Love can bring hatred upon you, not from that person, but listen to this, Genesis, 36, Genesis 37, the 37th chapter, the fourth verse. Let me say that again. Genesis, the 37th chapter, the fourth verse. It says, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, talking about Joseph and his father, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Joseph's brothers saw that the daddy loved their brother, and he made a he loved him so much he made this colorful coat for him. And guess what? They hated him. I will tell you from personal experience of having someone love me and others, um, I'm going to be very honest, other women seeing that and disliking me and wanting what I have. It's a horrible thing because it makes you feel so many different ways. But if you control the love, if you control yourself when people are hating on you, it's like when people choose someone for a position over you and you know, you know they just did it for, it, it seems no apparent reason, you can begin to dislike that person. 
either the person who's loving or the person that's the recipient of getting the position. The person who is the recipient of the love has to be very careful. You have to be very careful because even though someone hates you, that doesn't give you the right to hate them back. There's so much I want to say, but I want to bring our guest on just a few minutes. Listen to First Peter 4, 8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. When you love someone, you'll cover their the love for, that you have for them will cover their sins. Now, I, you know, I don't know about you, but that's the kind of love that I need. And you should want it too. And if you want it, you should give it. Love also brings mercy. Genesis 20, 20th chapter, the sixth verse. But showing mercy to thousands, this is the Lord, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. When you keep God's commandments, he will show you and bring mercy to you. When you love him, he will grant you mercy. This is the loving God that we serve. Then we have Genesis for Genesis 42. I want to read a little bit of this real quick. Genesis 42. Listen to this. See if I can find this real quick. Genesis 42 is really about, um, this is about Joseph and his brothers. If you know the story of Joseph and his brothers, they um, because their father loved him more, it seems, and he did really, you know, um, because he was the child of his old age. He loved Joseph so much, and that Jacob sent they, what they had done. They hated him, so they, what they did, they basically sold him into slavery. He spent time in prison, spent time um, in Pharaoh's uh, um, palace, and then he ended up going back to um, prison. And, and you know, the you know this, the story is he was in a pit, and he got out. Um, you can read the story yourself, Genesis 42, well, actually 40, 41, 42. And then in 40, Genesis 42, he's, um, he has his high position in the palace, and he's governor over the land. Joseph is governor over the land, and there was a famine in the land. The famine happened, hit J- his, his family's, um, Jacob and um, Joseph's brother's land in Egypt. Um, land, and then went in Egypt. And so Joseph was in Egypt. So the famine hit throughout the land, but Egypt, they still had grain. So Jacob sent the sons there. Now, they didn't know Joseph was in this position, but Joseph knew his brothers, and he immediately remembered his dream. The dream was, this is, and this is we, the reason why they really sold him, because Joseph, the younger brother, had a dream that the, they bowed to him. Well, guess what? It is now happening because they had to come from their land into Egypt to get grain so they could eat. And Joseph recognized them. They didn't recognize Joseph because they thought he was dead. And he had mercy upon them. Now, he may have said some stuff to them and made them feel some kind of way, but he had mercy upon them. And the Bible says in Genesis 42, and I believe it's verse uh, I believe it's verse 18, 19. I got to see what verses. He turned from them and wept. 
because he hadn't seen his family in years, in years, and they thought he was dead. Verse 24, and he turned himself away from them and wept. Then he returned to them again and talked with them, and he took Simeon from them and bound him before their eyes. What he really wanted to do is to get his brother there from his mama in order to see him. And so, because that was his blood biological mother from his mom and, and his mother and his dad, Jacob. And so he wanted to see him. And so he kept one of the brothers to, because he probably didn't trust them, to be very honest with you. And he kept one of them in order for them to see, for him to, for them to come back so he could see his brother again. What a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. And so Joseph had mercy upon the folk that almost tried to seem like to kill him and sold him his blood brother, same daddy, blood brother, he had mercy. What kind of love is that? Merciful love. It's the kind of love that God shows us, knowing that someone did us wrong, but you still choose the love. Here's the, here's the last one. Um, two more, actually. Love will cause you to give. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Listen to that again. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but perish, but have everlasting life. If you love, you're going to give. There's no way around it. You cannot. There is. You can say you love someone all you want. If you don't ever give them stuff, give them things, give them love, show them love. Show them, you know, something. It is not love. Don't, listen, don't try to convince people. Don't try to convince me, rather. It's not love. Because our God says, through the word of God, the Bible, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the only thing that he had that was attached to him relationally, he gave it to die so that we didn't die <laughs> forever and ever. Listen to this. You are loved more than you will ever know. So, so someone out there who doesn't feel that you are loved, first of all, God loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. You are loved more than you will ever know by someone who died just to know you. Woo! That quote got me like you wouldn't believe he longs to know us. Ah, thank you, Jesus. He longs to see us, Romans 3. He wants to know who we are. He already knows, but he just wants us to talk with him and have a relationship with him. We'll never know how, how much he loves us until we get to know him. There's a fear in that because there's a fear in all these things because love requires us to give of ourselves that we don't even sometimes think we have to give. But you have to step out on faith in order to show that. I walk up and down different areas and streets and pray for people I don't even know. And I'm not talking about myself because I had to not boasting about myself. I'm telling you, we have got to show the level of love that Christ showed for us so that we can be a better world, a better family, a better community, a better neighbor, 
a better husband, a better wife, a better child, a better parent, a better co-worker. It's about love, y'all. Y'all feel me on that? It's about love. I'm trying to tell you. I'm trying to tell you we're going to do better. And then finally, love brings life, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He wanted us to have life. He, 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 he's so gracious for us to have life. He died that we would have life and have life more abundantly. He didn't want us to live in sin. He didn't want us to live in turmoil. He didn't want us to live and die forever over and over and over again. It is, you know why people fear love? Because they don't understand the blessing in love. Oh, my goodness. When you understand the blessing of love, you will, you will, head, you will go toward head on and you say, okay, I know this is going to hurt but I'm going to do this anyway. You, when you understand the blessing that you receive from love, let me tell you something. When Jesus died, he had to go to the cross, first of all. He said, remove it from me. But when he died, they buried him. He had this thing going on in the grave, conquered death, hell, and the grave, rose up with what? All power, the blessings. And when he rose up, many more came. They're still coming for generations more. Can you imagine when you choose to love in your family, when you choose to love in the church, on your job, in your neighborhood, yes, you're going to take some hits, but what happens as a result of that, the blessings of the Lord fall upon you, you gain more power. I'm telling you what I have experienced, and it's a mighty, wonderful thing. It don't feel good all the time, but it's not about your feelings. I know he said it. I know I got to go. I came, but, Lord, would you let this pass from me? Nevertheless, to my will, but your will be done. There is a fear of something but if you face it head on, there is a blessing for you. And so in the family, in your home, it, there are people that you definitely don't want to talk to, you definitely don't want to share a meal with, you definitely know if they come around, they're going to ask you for some money. Let me tell you something. Face it head on. Confront the issue. The problem is we don't confront the issue in a loving manner, and as a result, we can't win them over. Now, they're not going to like it. They're not, they're not going to like it. The world doesn't like the fact that Jesus came. That's why there's such a controversy in the world about Jesus, because when he came, he did something they didn't understand, and he came in a way that they didn't understand. It's always going to be some king, some high and mighty. No, he came lowly. And so they don't understand, but as a result later on, they love, they will, they will have to bow down. <laughs> They're going to have to bow down to him. What an amazing God we serve. They're going to have to bow down. They're going to have to understand that he is the king of kings, that he is the Lord of lords, that he is Jehovah. 
that he is Yahweh. He's the majestic one. They're going to have to understand. That they're going to have to face the fear. If they don't face the fear now, they're going to have to face it later. But the problem is if we don't choose the love now, we will not have the blessings of the Lord that we could have had. Make a choice this day to love. I'm done. I want to just bring on my special guest. Um, his name is Minister Maurice Nelson, and um, I know I'm over my time, but I wanted to make sure to express that to us and, and talk about, you know, the blessings of love. There's definitely fear. Listen, one more thing, Ephesians 4.2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Uh, I, I just don't have time to go through all that, but we need to do it in love, in a loving manner, with love, and in love. Let me just um, read something real quick um, to to bring on my guest. Um, This is Minister Maurice. He's a native of Tucson, Arizona, and he holds a Bachelor of Arts in Creative Writing from the University of Arizona. He accepted his call to ministry as a college student and has been a licensed minister for over 20 years. For the last 18 years, he has served as a minister, teacher, musician, armor bearer, and leader at the Tucson Church International. Hey, hey. He has a strong passion for teaching the Bible with an emphasis on communicating the original intent of the scriptures without bias. He's also married, so so I want to make sure we understand. He and his wife, Nikki, have been married for 13 years, glory to God, and have two wonderful children, Gabriel at 10 and Melody, six years old. I want you to welcome my wonderful special guest, my little brother, my little big brother, Minister Maurice Nelson. How are you doing tonight? God bless you, my sister. Um, I came in and I could tell that you were in the midst of an incredible flow um, speaking on this issue of love, and it's almost like a... Uh, when you run a bath and that water is a little hot, you don't want to jump in too fast. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, Minister Marisha, you sound just a little muffled, so I'm not sure. Um, are you are you in a good place at this point? No, I'm better. Is that better? That is better. Thank you so much. We just yeah. want to make sure sorry the people about, of God can hear you. That's all. That's all. That's perfectly all right. So we're so glad Thank to you. have you on to this evening. We do have people listening in. We want to have you jump right into what you want to, what you have for the people of God on tonight. It is, I do want to ask you a couple of questions. So you've been in ministry for over 20 years now and accepted the yes. calling as a college student. Real briefly tell us what that was like because college is the years people mostly say are party years. So tell us right. about a little bit about that process. You know, um, I became became cognizant of the things of God. I probably received Christ as my Savior around ten, to maybe just after ten years old. Um, I'm, I grew up as what we call a military brat. My mother was Air Force, and um, you know we had gone from I gone from Tucson, Arizona, to Shepa, to Luke Air Force Base up in Phoenix. We went from Luke to Germany, um, and it was before I even went to Germany that I received Christ. And that's where I started my high school years as a freshman in high school. Um, you know, by the time we got to like 1991, came back to the States to Shepherd Air Force Base. Um, again, um, given an opportunity, actually spoke at the church I attended there once, you know, did a speech or what have you. Not, you know, a knowledge of God and understanding, but hadn't been discipled. 
Uh, but we'll say new guy. So 94, I come back to Tucson, where I'm from. Didn't want to come to Tucson, but um, was lovingly directed <laughs> by my mother and family that this is where I needed to be. Um, and came back to Tucson my freshman year, tried to um, live that life and tried to live that party life. And I could tell stories, but just, you know, the hand of the Lord was not for it. So, you know, I was not permitted to do, though I tried to do what I wanted to do. It just right. seemed like it just never would work out. I mean, it just, I guess one example, just one quick, short, tiny example would be, you know, I was living on campus, living in the dorm, had a roommate. He would go out of town, go back to Texas to visit his folks. Um, as soon as, you know, he'd get in that car and start heading out or go to the airport, I'm I'm on the phone dialing, trying to get, you know, who going to come through, who going to kick it with me, who going to be with me. I'm, I'm going to have a whole room to myself, so let's make something happen. Right. And I'm telling you, it just would not work. It just would not work. And so fast forward to my second year in college, um, long story short, through the providence of God, um, had a had a I'd moved out of the dorm, moved home, um, but had a friend of mine that was still living in the dorms on campus at U of A, and he had kind of a they had either one large room with bunk beds or two rooms split in two, so you could kind of have some privacy. He was in the back. Uh-huh. The front room was empty, and so when me and him reconnected, he was like, "Bro." You know, the semester started, ain't nobody in this room. This part is going to stay empty. Just make this your room, bro. Bring clothes, set up shop. Whenever you're around campus, this can be your spot. Everybody in the dorm already knows you. This is it. So I'm like, cool, this is going to work. Well, a couple days later, he says, man, it's over. Somebody told that there was an opening. Some guy's getting put in here. Me and him both got an attitude about it. The very person that moved into that front room, said him by the name of Ryan Artisan, became a brother in Christ to me. Me and him started going wow. working out together and he and he and I began to be discipled together. We were wow. um developed and ministered to. Both of us, you know, came into praying in spirit in tongues and spiritual language in that discipling. Mm-hmm. And so my relationship with him became an incredible uh, formative relationship in Christ. And then it was, you know, at that point I we started getting involved campus crusade for Christ. Um, and then Campus Crusade had um, a specific arm called Impact that was designed to minister to African Americans. And the leaders at the time of Campus Crusade, Bob and Ann Krebs, basically took me under their wing, discipled me, mentored me, literally brought me in their home, fed me, raised funds and support for me to go to um, the national conference. I was going to the conferences and um, the Impact Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, hearing the likes of Bishop Omer, Vastow McKenzie, Heyman Cross. Um, at that time, you know, Bishop Eddie Long was a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I began, I became a leader of Impact here in Tucson, Arizona. And so, you know, it's, 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 there's no coincidences, coincidences in, in our walk with right. God. You know, many other plans of man's heart, but it's the Lord that um, his plans are um, accomplished their end and, and come to pass. And, um, I believe that it was the Lord's divine providence that he, you know, led me to connect with Ryan, led me to get discipled. And then at the same time as uh, those things were happening, um, a sister at the church, you know, offered to give me a ride to choir rehearsal. And she'd uh-huh. come and pick me up and take me to choir rehearsal at Grace Temple Missionary Baptist Church. And, you know, <laughs> she would play tapes for me. She'd play T.D. Jake. She'd play Jackie McCullough. She'd play... Juanita Bottom, she'd play stuff I'd never heard, hadn't been exposed to. 
and driving in her car, she just talked to me about the things of the Lord. And um, that was incredibly transformative in my life as well because I was going through a process of God separating me. Right. And I'll never forget, um, and for those of you that don't know, that was our own Reverend Dancia Morris that was picking me up from campus, taking me to choir rehearsal. And I'll never forget, we're driving down Park right there on the campus, and one of those tapes was in, and and, um, it was a woman's voice, and she was talking about, you know, how – God was breaking up, you know, God's breaking up your little clique, and, he's, you know, you can't be like everybody else. You can't do what everybody else does, and God's separating you, and he's taking you out. And I'll never forget, Reverend Dancia just right in the middle of that deal said, that's what God's doing with you. And I'm, I mean, my heart stopped in my chest because I didn't know what that fully meant. Um, but through all of those things, you know, the Lord revealed what his plan was. And, and it was one of those things, it was interesting because, even in how he started to lead me in ministry, it was not a situation where the guys I hung with, I sat down and had a meeting and said, hey, guys, I can't hang out with you no more. It wasn't like that at all. It just was, I'm a part of Campus Crusade. I'm a part of Impact. I'm doing Bible study. Then we had a choir on campus. And then I just looked up, and six months had gone by, and I hadn't talked to those guys. And I hadn't been going out to the club with them and doing those kinds of things. So that's kind of a nutshell thumbnail sketch of how God kind of really started to develop me in my walk with him. And then, of course, um, you know, late 90s is when I met Pastor Demetrius, got plugged into Tucson Church International. Yeah. So that's kind of my, my story. Well, praise God. It's, I'm going gonna, gonna to say this. It takes um, sometimes many, and it, it does take many, not sometimes, it does take many to help cultivate us in this Christian walk. And we can't yes. do it alone. Um, God can do many things, I can tell you that. If we're in an island and he doesn't have anyone and we're by ourselves, and he will do it. It just makes it so much better when we have others around. So what I want to do is just give you time to just, as, as whatever God's given you, prepare, take about, you know, about 15 minutes to um, 15, 20 minutes to just kind of share that. And then I, I do want to, you know, break down some things about that that I think maybe the people will want to hear. So at this time, I'm going to just kind of release the floor to you. Well, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Bless um, these concepts and principles. We know that your word is already blessed, so we thank you for that. But, God, we pray that you would just bless and consecrate this time. And any um, of your children that are listening now, maybe they're listening later by recording, I pray that you would meet them at the point of their need. You would just release answers. You would release strategies. You release wisdom and insight. And, Father, we're coming after and we're attacking this issue of fear. I pray, yes, Father Lord. God, that this, the spirit of fear be rebuked. I honor you for yes, your word that says that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us um, a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so we yes, honor you for God. that. We take that uh, that thing captive. Um, we thank you for your word that even that talks about the fact that what we bind on earth is bound in heaven and what we loose on earth is loose in heaven. And so we bind fear in the lives of your children and your believers, and we lose courage, we lose strength in Jesus' name, and we lose just a... You know, the divine wisdom and strategy that would come from your word. In Jesus' yes, name, I pray. Amen. Yeah. So, um, essentially, um, there's a, a study and a message that I actually delivered recently, and it's something that's just been on my heart. Um, and I titled it um, A Special Delivery from a Special Enemy. 
was what I titled this when I actually ministered you know, on a Sunday morning in a church. I'm going to just read from you from the book of Second Chronicles, um, starting in chapter 20. And we're going to be really looking at the life of King Jehoshaphat. Um, it talks about in uh, chapter 20, starting at verse 1, later on, the armies of the kings of Moab, Amnon, and of the Munites declared war on Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. Word reached Jehoshaphat that a vast army is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea, from Syria. It is already at Hazazan Tamar, also called En Gedi. Jehoshaphat was badly shaken by this news and determined to beg for help from the Lord. So he announced that all the people of Judah should go without food for a time in penitence and intercession before God. People from all across the nation came to Jerusalem to plead unitedly with him. Jehoshaphat stood among them as they gathered, gathered at the new court of the temple and prayed a prayer. And I'm not going to go through everything that he prayed here, um, but, but one of the principles I will, um, uh, one of the pieces I will go through in this prayer um, is verse uh, 9. Uh, truly believing that in a time like this, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, disease, or famine, we can stand here before this temple and before you, for you are here in this temple, and cry out to you to save us and that you will hear us and rescue us. Um, and then I'm going to move down a little bit further. Um, and, you know, again, Jehoshaphat is earnestly going before the Lord and praying, and the scripture talks about, um, verse 13, the people from every part of Judah stood before the Lord, even with their little ones, wives, children. Verse 14, the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there, Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, um, who was one of the sons of Asaph. And he says, under the unction and the leading of the Holy Spirit, he says, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, and you, O King Jehoshaphat, he exclaimed. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be paralyzed by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down and attack them. You will find them coming up the slopes of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jeruel. But you will not need to fight. Take your places. Stand quietly and see the incredible rescue operation God will perform for you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, don't be afraid to discourage. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. So, again, I titled this A Special Delivery from a Special Enemy. Again, you hear at the beginning um, in Chapter 20 here where it says essentially the armies of three different nations were coming to attack Jehoshaphat. Now, I think Jehoshaphat is an incredible personality to study in Scripture because I believe he is kind of a picture of, of a believer in that we have strengths and we have weaknesses, um, and we have areas where we do well and we have areas where we don't do as well. If you go back to chapter 17 in Second Chronicles, it talks about the uh, – I'll just read a little bit from me from here. Um, um, then his son Jehoshaphat became the king and mobilized for war against Israel. Essentially, just to give you a little background, at that time, you know, the nation of Israel had been split into two different nations, really. On the top half was Israel, the bottom half was Judah. And actually, the top half was ruled by a wicked king. Um, The bottom half was ruled by a great king and a good king, and his son takes uh, comes into power. And what's interesting is his approach, right? He said, again, he, Jehoshaphat becomes the king. He mobilizes for war against Israel. He placed garrisons uh-huh. in all of the fortified cities of Judah and various other places throughout the country and in the cities of Ephraim that his father had conquered. Watch this, verse 3. The Lord was with 
Jehoshaphat because he followed in the good footsteps of his father's early years and did not worship idols. That's, that's so key. The Lord was with him, which kind of, for me, brings um, a highlight onto this fear that Jehoshaphat went into. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say more about that in just a moment. Verse 4, and this is in chapter 17, he obeyed the commandments of his father's God, quite unlike the people across the border in the land of Israel. So the Lord, this is verse 5, strengthened his position as king of Judah. All the people of Judah cooperated by paying their taxes, so he became very wealthy as well as being very popular. He boldly followed the paths of God. So I would submit to you that Jehoshaphat was a, was a good guy, a godly guy. Um, at the same time, one of the things that kind of as you study his life will kind of drive you crazy about him is that he made certain decisions that just at times didn't make sense. And I could go on in Chapter 17 and just talk about how there was a fear that was on the surrounding kingdoms um, because God was blessing him. And just the decisions that he was making, he was pulling down the high places and getting rid of these different types of things. And he was doing a lot of amazing good things, much the way we do is in our walk with God. This go down to chapter 18, verse 1. But the, but the but rich, popular king Jehoshaphat of Judah made a marriage alliance for his son with the daughter of King Ahab of Israel. Now, understand what this is saying. Again, we said a moment ago, the king of Israel, Ahab in this case, was wicked. And Jehoshaphat, good guy, godly guy, uh, making all these amazingly good decisions um, to lead this nation and strengthen this nation and so forth and so on, does something essentially to come into alignment with an, a wicked individual, which just had me scratching my head. Like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? Why would you align and connect and, and, and form an allegiance with someone who's wicked? Yeah, And I think it's a picture of, of us and the struggle we go through as believers in that we love God, we honor God, we want to live for God, and we make a lot of great decisions, you know, for the Lord. We make a, you know, to go to church, to go to Bible study, to talk to other people about our relationship with Christ, to get married and stay married to that person, to, to, to give and sow and pray and pay our tithes and all the different things that we do believing according to the word of God that we should do in our walk with the Lord. And then there are times where we make these other kinds of decisions. And, and people around us may look at us and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing right. that? Why, why are you subjecting yourself, opening yourself up to? Why would you get your, just on a very extremely practical level, why would, you, right. why would you go into a partnership on a business deal with someone that was not trustworthy? Right. Why would you risk your financial future? Why would you risk your credit? Why would you risk your business acumen, your reputation, connecting? And we all know people that maybe have a reputation. I mean, I can think of some people, I'm sure you can as well, Reverend Morris, that, that just have a reputation of just not being credible individuals, hustlers, right. tricksters. You know what I'm saying? Folks that just, if they get an opportunity, they're going to they, they take advantage of you. And the right. idea here is, why, why, but, but I think, again, that's a picture of the challenge that we have in our walk. None of us have arrived. None of us ever will arrive. It is always going to be an ongoing progressive work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us and consecrating us. And while we are saved and we've been seated in heavenly places and our names are written in the Lamb's book of life, 
we still have that, 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 that paradoxical situation we face. Pastor Demetrius just talked about it last night in church, reading the scriptures where Paul was talking about, you know, I find that there's this law, you know, um, when I want to do the good thing, evil is present there with me. You know, the good that I would, I don't do it. You know, the, the good thing that I feel I should be doing and know I should be doing, sometimes I don't do that good thing. And then the bad thing that I'm sitting there telling myself, don't do the bad thing, that's the very thing I do. You know, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? Now, again, right. Paul doesn't leave us at that spot, but he does give a very clear depiction of the fact that that's the reality, that, that you know, none of us are ever going to fully, completely be perfect in this earth realm. It's just not going to happen. We're going to strive and and I, I recently read a quote, um, if I, I want to make sure I, I clarify, because I, one of the things that I come against in my own personal life is perfectionism. I used to jokingly say that I was a perfectionist, then um, I was exposed to some, some material that basically said, you need to stop taking it as a joke and almost see it like an illness. You know, it's like, because it, it, you're never going to achieve it. And what oftentimes happens when we try to be perfect and we're not going to be perfect, and we fall short, all types of shame, guilt, condemnation, and it's an open door for the enemy to accuse us. And really, because it's unrealistic, we're going after a target we couldn't possibly hope to ever reach. The only one that ever did it in sinless perfection is Jesus the Christ, and he's the only one that ever will do it. And that's why he had to come, because I'm never going to be perfect. Um, And so the quote that I saw recently talked about this idea of striving for excellence, not perfection. Yes, Push, strive, try to do your best and be your best, but understand that it's not going to happen, and it's not because we're not trying. Again, the same Apostle Paul wrote, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we sin on purpose? Because the idea is every time I sin, you know, every time I sin, God's grace manifests. So, you know, I should sin on purpose because that just gives God an opportunity to show his. No, 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 no. God forbid. We're, we're dead to sin. We've died to sin. So we don't continue in that, but the reality is we, 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 we have to be real. And I think, again, Jehoshaphat is a picture of an individual of, 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 of our lives. Yes, I love the Lord, and I strive to serve him and honor him in so many different places in my life. But then I make bad decisions, and those bad decisions sometimes have consequences. And I can't go through all of it right now. I'm going to wrap up here shortly, but as we you know, get through uh, chapter 18, it talks about just what ended up happening as a result of his alliance with Ahab. Um, and it's interesting because let's go over to chapter 19. King Jehoshaphat of Judah returns home uninjured. The prophet Jehu, son of Hanani, went out to meet him and says, quote, should you be helping the wicked and loving those who hate the Lord, he asked him, because of what you have done, God's wrath is upon you. But there are some good things about you in that you got rid of the shame idols throughout the land, and you've tried to be faithful to God. Now, I don't want to abuse the scriptures, and I don't want to stretch the text beyond what it should be, but it, it would, one of the things, as I, as I, again, I see this in chapter 20, and I see here come these three armies coming to attack him, um, and then I go back and I look in his life, and I go back to 17, and he's making all these great decisions honoring God, and God's clearly with him and blessing and prospering him. So why would these individuals dare attack him? And one of the things that's even interesting, Jehoshaphat says in his prayer, he says, Lord, when you gave us this land, we were on our way into the land, flowing with milk and honey, coming out of Egypt. You didn't let us attack 
these very individuals that are now coming to attack us now. Oh, you told good. us don't mess with them. That's you told good. us to leave them alone. It, but remember, when they were on their way into that land, everyone was afraid of the nation of Israel. Right. Everyone, because God had done great exploit, be part of the Red Sea and knocked down the walls of Jericho and all this. So they were terrified of them. But God, for whatever reason, said, leave that particular, those particular three groups, don't touch them. And one of the prayers that Joseph prayed was basically, you know, we kind of did them a favor and that we listened to you. We didn't go in there and utterly take them out. And now they're going to kind of repay the favor by attempting to come and attack us. But one of the points, things I'm pointing out here is this idea of the Bible that, that, that the prophet said to Jehoshaphat that wrath had gone out, that as a result of the decision that he made um, to ally with this wicked king and call him this allegiance, that God's wrath was upon him. Now, let's look at Jehoshaphat's response, and I'm going to basically give a couple of principles, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up completely. Um, verse 3 in chapter 20, Jehoshaphat was badly shaken by the news. So, as I kind of line up the bullet points, number one, a threat comes forward. That's number one. There's a threat. Number two, fear strikes. Verse three, Jehoshaphat was badly shaken by the news. Now, initially I'm looking at him kind of cross-eyed because I'm thinking the God's on your side. Why are you acting like this? Why, why would you dare to be fearful? And, and, and one of the other reasons I would point this out is if you go back to 17 um, and we look at his armies, Jehoshaphat's armies. Um, I'm not going to go through everything, but chapter 17, if you go down here to uh, verse 13, his public works program was extensive, and he had a huge army stationed at Jerusalem. Um, verse 14 and 15, 300,000 Judean troops were there under General Adna. Next in the command was Jeho Hanan with an army of 280,000 men. Next was Amasiah, a man of unusual piety with 200,000 troops. If I stop right there, that's 200,000 plus 280,000 plus 300,000. So we're already over, over 700,000 fighting God. men that he's got on his side. Okay. Then I go over here to verse 17. Benjamin supplied 200,000 men equipped with bows and shields. I mean, he's My got God. shooters on his side. Verse 18, the second uh -huh. in command was Jehoshaphat with 180,000 trained men. Verse 19, these were the troops in Jerusalem in addition to those placed by the king in the fortified cities throughout the nation. So he's got the God on his side who's prospered him. And oh, by the way, he's got over a million fighting men stationed throughout his nation. And so there's a part of me that just says, mm. going into fear. I mean, yeah. it'll be enough that you've got God on your side. Right. You know? And so it doesn't matter what comes because I've got him. But be that as it may, he went into fear. And even though he had shooters, he goes into fear. But he kind of gets it together because it says, yes, he was badly shaken by the news, but then he determined to beg for help from the Lord. So he announced that all the people of Judah would go without food for a time. So the threat came, fear struck, but he sought the Lord. Okay, he went into fasting and praying. And I think that that should be our response when fear strikes in our lives. Instead of um, going into, you know, they say there's fight or flight built into our DNA. Instead of going into that flight mode and running or making bad decisions based on fear, and, and I tell you, a sense of God, I, I challenge you and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. If you look back over your life, I believe that you'll see that there have been times in your life where you've made decisions and really the root thought process behind the decision was fear. 
whether it's an opportunity you did not take advantage of or whether it's a certain decision or certain response you had, you did it out of fear, and it created consequences and negative repercussions for you, or maybe you missed opportunities. Um, I, I could say more about that, but I'm going to keep it moving. So the threat came forth. He went into fear, but then he sought the Lord. Then the strategy comes forth, and that's why we need things like kingdom authority. We need you know, the prophet of God that can say, and this is, again, verse 15, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, O King Jehoshaphat. The Lord says, don't be afraid. Don't be paralyzed by this mighty army. The battle is not yours but God's. Go down, attack them. And, and, and the point of the matter that I would just release here is, again, threat comes. He goes into fear. He comes out of fear and goes into seeking the Lord. Strategy is released. Prophetic utterance is released. And, and if you don't know it, saints of God, you've got to have it. That's one of the reasons why we've got to be plugged into a church. We need to be up under anointed, anointed and godly leadership that can hear the Lord's voice and speak to us. And, and, and the essence, just to give a 10-second thing on prophecy, prophecy isn't necessarily always forecasting the future. Prophecy ultimately is about speaking the right thing at the right time. Sometimes oh, a prophetic word may come – the, the, the essence again. of prophecy is is mm-hmm. is speaking the right thing at the right time. The the mm-hmm. the thing that's needed to be said. Um, Pastor Jack Hayford, who is someone that I, I admire and respect greatly, talks about this and teaches on this issue of prophecy. And he talked about this interaction he had with some other pastors that were dealing with a situation where the church were going through turmoil and they were going to have to make a decision. And um, they'd gone through things in their family. They'd gone through things in the church. They were weary. They were tired. And he met with them, and he said, the word of the Lord to you is you need to take a couple of weeks off from church. Now, that wasn't a God's going to do X, Y, Z 10 days from now. You're going to see X. But he said the word right now for you is take your hands off the situation, and you need to go rest and recover and trust God. And, and I want to say another thing about this. The strategy that was given here in this scenario, in this situation, where if you understand what it, because if you go on to read it, it talks about how they put Judah first and they had the praise and they had the, uh, the choir out in front singing as they were going to go to battle, right? Well, that was a specific word for that specific time. And I think it would be unwise to try to take that passage of Scripture and apply it to every scenario in our lives. I think that the principle is, Again, when the threat comes and the fear arises, let's turn and seek the Lord. Let's get his strategy for that specific situation, and then let's walk that strategy out and trust God. Um, There's more that I could say, but I'm going to hasten to a close here. Um, And the reason I called this message um, a special delivery from a special enemy, because if you read and study the story and the relation of this situation, um, and I'll just read it for you. Um, after this is verse 21 in chapter 20, after consultation with the leaders of the people, Jehoshaphat determined that there should be a choir leading the march, clothed in sanctified garments and singing the song. His loving kindness is forever. As they walked along, praising and thanking the Lord. At that moment, they began to sing and praise the Lord. Uh, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon and Moab and Mount Syria to begin fighting among themselves, and they destroyed each other. For the Ammonites and the Moabites turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And when they had finished that job, they turned against each other. 
So when the army of Judah arrived at the watchtower, so they're, they're, the choir's out front singing. I'm sure their hearts are in their throats, and they're scared half to death, but they're following the prophetic utterance, and, and they're, they're stepping out on faith. Hallelujah. And they come to the battlefield, and they look out, and it says here, they come to the watchtower that looks out over the wilderness. As far as they could look, there were dead bodies lying on the ground. Not a single My one God. of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his people went out to plunder the bodies and came away loaded with money, garments, and jewels stripped from the corpses. What are the, 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 if I could give this message a key thesis, it's the idea that the very thing that is threatening you could quite possibly be the very vehicle that God is using to deliver something to you. Say that, say that. Mm. The very thing, the three armies are coming together, and they're coming to attack the people of God. But the word of the prophetic utterance of the Lord comes forth. Now, it comes forth after they've gone into fasting and praying, and they sought God's face. And as a result of them, and, and, and it's clear in Scripture, you know the Scripture, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I heal from heaven and forgive sin and heal their land. So, so that's a godly and a biblical principle. And the prophetic utterance comes forth and said, the Lord's going to fight this one. Right. And they go out in faith. And, and when they get to the battlefield, it's over. The enemy has attacked himself and utterly killed himself. And now they're in a situation where they're basically able to just take the plunder. Now, as I wrap this up, again, the very thing that's threatening you could be the very thing that God uses as a vehicle to deliver blessing to you. But in this scenario, I kind of called it, you know, forgive me if I paraphrase Prophetess Janet Jackson. I call it a, a nasty blessing because if you understand what's going on here, if you understand what's going on here, the scripture said that they were three days going out and grabbing stuff, going out and getting this plunder. Three days. Do you know what a dead body is like after two days outside in the elements? And you're and you're stepping over and stepping around a battlefield of dead My bodies. Goodness. But 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 My so goodness. is it possible that maybe? It, this situation, maybe you're in a situation that isn't that appealing, it isn't that appetizing, it isn't enjoyable, um, it's not ideal, um, but somehow, some way, in this situation that you're dealing with in your life, there's blessing in it. Come on, come on. And 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 I, you know, I'll be honest with you that that challenges me because what that tells me then is. Maybe I should stop trying to pray the situation away. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's, that's, our, that's my first scenario. I'm going through something with a family member or a loved one or some sort of scenario at work comes up or whatever it may be, and it's something I don't want to be in or be a part of, and it's crazy and it's off and it's out of control, whatever it may be, and I don't want to deal with this. And I'm reading the word here, and it's like, here's this threat that turns into this vehicle of delivery, and there's all this blessing, but I got to climb over dead bodies to retrieve it. Come on. Come on, minister. That's good. I mean, just to even think about what the smell was like out there, right? 
You know, this is right. a battlefield. Mm-hmm. Day three, but 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 yet and still, again. Let me see where it's at. King Jehoshaphat and his people went out to plunder the bodies and came away loaded with money, garments, and jewels stripped from the corpses, so much that it took them three days to cart it all away. So as I just close this whole study up, and there's more that we could stay and there's more studying we can do, but I just want to kind of bring it to a close here. The threat comes forth. It strikes fear. But then the response is, we're going to seek God. As a result of seeking him, the prophetic utterance comes forth, the divine strategy comes forth. And let me just say to you, men of God, women of God, it may not be that, you know, Reverend Dancia is saying, thus saith the Lord. It may be you on your knees in your morning, in the afternoon, at night, leave laying That's on your right. bed, That's listening right. to the scriptures. Uh, you at the grocery right. store praying, uh, you on a break at your job, walking around the building where you work, praying, listening right. to worship. I don't know what your flow is, but but God can speak to you and release strategy to you. The Bible says that at midnight, you know, Paul and Silas prayed and sing praises. So uh, there, yes. God can do yes. it at any time, at any place. Thank you, Jesus. They're in jail, mm. and he speaks mm. and, and, and flows. Okay, mm-hmm. so it, it doesn't necessarily mean that when we seek the Lord, there's going to be someone standing and screaming, thus saith the Lord. It may be a witness that comes into your spirit. But again, there's the threat, there's the fear, I seek him, there's the strategy, and then there's the blessing as a result. My prayer is that you would take some time, uh, family of God, look at the life of Jehoshaphat, see yourself in here, because there's other really interesting things. And then what's crazy is even – um, if, if we kept going forward here, he d- kind of does it again because even after this great victory that God gives him, um, he does it again. Verse 35, at the close of his life, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went into partnership with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who again, here we go, wicked man. They made ships uh-huh. from Ezion Geber to sail to Tarshish. Then Eliezer, son of, I can't say that name, from Merishon, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, telling him, because you have allied yourself with King Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your work. So the ships met disaster and never arrived at Tarshish. That's the end of chapter 20. Jehoshaphat, good guy, godly man, making great decisions, but every now and then has this thing about making, he has a blind spot in his life. And it takes the prophets of God and the prophetic utterance of God to kind of bring him to his senses. And even after God gave him this great victory and blessed him with three days of plunder and from a battle he didn't even have to fight, he still goes on and makes another decision. I think it's a picture of us. Though God has done so many great things, and when I look back over my life and think things over, I can truly say, God has made a way. I got a testimony, yada, yada, you know, we all know the song. Yeah. It's just the truth. Though we've got testimonies and we've got blessings and things that God has done in our lives, somehow, some way, when that new threat shows up, it seems that we just, again, it's in our DNA, fight or flight. And my prayer is that we would interrupt that process with a biblical process. When the threat appears, that's one. Two, fear arises. Three, seek God. Fast, pray, seek his face. Um, Receive the strategy from the Lord. And then walk that thing out and position ourselves to be blessed. Mm-hmm. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Oh, my God, that's such a powerful word. I I pray that you all received what Minister Nelson has said because this is a powerful passage to help us overcome those fears in order to get to the blessings of the Lord. I will tell you that if you read that whole um, that whole story in its entirety, I, there are some there are some critical pieces in Second Chronicles yeah. that will bless your life, and I mean change your yes. thinking about battles and so forth, and just having to go through tests and trials and trusting God. He yes. will reveal to you, and so I'm excited about that word. I, you know, I I just have a couple of questions, and I know, you yes. know, we. I just have a couple of questions. So yes, talk just a little bit more, and just explain a little bit more about the battle and stepping over those 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 dead bodies. What does that look like for a person? who may not understand what warfare is in their personal life. What does that look like comparatively? You know, I don't know why this comes to mind, but, you know, let's say it's a diagnosis. We find a lump. We're afraid it's cancer. We go to the doctor. Um, There's no word in our modern-day society um, like you know, that's like quite like cancer um, that can strike fear into your heart. Now, how we respond to the diagnosis is so critical because if if we choose to accept defeat and allow our soul and our spirit to be engulfed in fear, um, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. You can almost poison yourself with the negative mindset, the negative attitude, so forth and so on. And, and at the same time, let's just say that lump, that diagnosis drives us and pushes us into our relationship with God. And maybe we've got to go through the chemotherapy and we've got to go through the treatments and we've got to trust him along the way. But through that process, as we get our healing and God walks us through it, we grow so much closer to him. And then as we come through that the blessing that we're able to reap out of that is we have a greater credibility in our walk. When we stand to talk about what God can do, we stand not with theoretical knowledge, but with experiential knowledge. And when we stand, having said, I faced it and I went through it and I dealt with it and I'm on the other side yes. and I'm telling you, man, yes. and I'm telling you, woman, and I'm telling you, child, oh, that you too can mm-hmm. get through this thing. Now, I, going through that battlefield was nasty. I got blood on me. I had to endure some smells, and I had to see some things I didn't want to see. But if I will, I, will, I will seek God and try to find the best out of the situation, there are some tools that I can take out of that. One of the things that my sister and I have in common, we both have lost brothers. My brother, Jermaine, was murdered. And that yeah. was something... Um, that if I'm just 100% honest and if I'm just going to keep it real, that threw me for a loop. That challenged me. That challenged my faith. That caused me to to question God. Um, I, I, I mean, I walked around with a, with a cloud and a, a a funk of the, and an air of depression around me. Um, 
and and it was difficult for a while, and it took me a while to get myself together um, through that. And I'll never forget, you know, one night my wife saying, you know, an apartment we were living in, and we had one child. We had two kids at the time. My son Gabriel was a little boy, and we had just had Melody, and um, you know, my son was was murdered, and then um, your brother was you know, not long after that. My, my brother, my, my brother Jermaine, was murdered, and not long after that, um, I had a cousin that committed suicide, um, and and in that same time frame, my daughter was born, and I remember one night, my wife saying to me, you know, we need to talk, and. Uh, she said, living with you in this condition that you're in is, is, and I was scared to death when she said this to me. I mean, my heart stopped in my chest because I thought she was talking about leaving a brother. And she said, you need to go see somebody. You need to work on this. You need to sit down with somebody and talk this thing through and get out of, and get out of this funk. I'm not telling you not to grieve your brother's death, but we can't stay here. And on the other side of it now, and it's been years since it happened, on the other side of it, I now have a compassion and an understanding for people that go through sudden and unexpected death because I've been That's there. Beautiful. And, I have, beautiful. and I have an understanding for people that would, that would say, God, why? God, how could you? Right? And, and and I'm at a now when I was in college, I mean, you know, once I, when I when that fire got lit, I was radical for the things of Christ. I mean, you know, I was sharing my faith. I mean, I, and really, I didn't have a lot of wisdom, and so you know, I ran my mouth a lot in the name of, you know, advancing right. the cause of Christ and on behalf of Jesus. I, but I didn't have a lot of wisdom in it. And so I didn't have a whole lot of empathy for people that didn't walk this walk with God all the way out the right way. I, I didn't, right. you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't fathom the idea that a Christian could struggle. You know, what do you mean you're struggling? What do you mean you can't get up and pray and this and this and that? Because I hadn't been through anything at that level in my Christian walk. So when I went through that process, it opened me up and it taught me some valuable lessons. I'm not saying God did it. Um, I, you know, maybe I won't understand all of it until I get to heaven because Lord knows I prayed for my brother to be saved and, and I believe he was saved but I prayed for him to come out of the lifestyle he was living and so forth and so on and it didn't happen he was killed and left in the street that being said there's something that going through that process and through that place of death that I've been able to glean and gain and I think that in our lives going from today forward Whatever situation, you know, it could be, again, an adverse work situation that you know is wrong and you, you know is not God's best for you. But even in spite of that, in that situation, God can use it to teach you, grow you, develop you, and then also provide blessing for you. Or, again, uh-huh. the, threat, yeah. the threat that's coming at you, if, if, it's, a, if it's an eviction notice, if, if it's a, the threat of a loss of a job, if it's the, the threat of a divorce, if it's the, I don't know what it could be, a health scare, an economic downturn, it could be the very vehicle that God uses to take you to his, your next place of blessing in him. And it's an amazing thing. I, 
it, it kind of mystifies me. But one of the things I recognize is when Jehoshaphat hears these armies are coming to attack him, his natural mind can only, for whatever reason, can only see defeat. But how many of you know God's yeah. thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our, right. our ways. And even That's when right. we look at a situation and all we can see is loss and negativity and defeat, uh, it, it just kind of reminds me of the scenario I was sitting down with my son dealing with chess. And my son got a tablet like for Christmas. And uh, he had this chess, he's playing this game of chess, which he kind of knows a little bit how to play, but he's not really good at it yet. And I, I found uh-huh. another program, and all it is is chess problems. And what you do is you go into it, and it just shows you a scenario, and pretty much what it says is what is the the move you should make. Make the next best move in this scenario. So it's like the game's already advanced. And I just remember sitting in the situation and showing it to my son and going through these puzzles with him. And I said, well, what would you do, Gabriel? And he said, well, I would take this piece and move it to here. And I'm sitting there looking at the same board with the same pieces. And now, mind you, when he did that move, the system told him, no, that's incorrect. That's not the best move you could make. But me, an experienced chess player who has more experience at least than him, I could instantaneously see, well, no, take the bishop and move him all the way over here. That's checkmate. But okay. for whatever reason, my son couldn't see it, right? But mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing with God and us, that we can look at situations and we see one move, maybe we see two moves. And other than that, we're like, I don't know how else I'm going to possibly deal with this. I don't know what else to do with this situation or this person or this thing. But we serve a God that as soon as he looks at it, already sees the solution and the answer. Yes, yes. That's powerful. And if we would be just willing to just basically accept that, you know what, maybe there's a way for this to be resolved that I can't conceive. Yes. I can't fathom how this could I can't necessarily fathom this, but maybe somehow, some way, God can use the current leadership that we're dealing with in this nation to take us someplace. Yeah, that's good. I can't, I, right this minute, I can't really fathom that. And there's a lot of people that can't fathom that. There's a lot of people that are just vociferously and loudly anti our president, right? Right. Um, but maybe it's because we see one and two moves, but God who can see so many moves ahead of us can, is, is, is sitting back and can say, if my people will seek me and will pray, I can take right. this thing and I can turn it and I can use it and take the very thing that has brought so much anger and hatred and all kind of negative emotions, and I can take this very scenario and take this land into an entirely different direction. That's good. It's all in how we see it. It's all in how we see it and all we how we believe God for it. That's really good. I will tell you Persp- all who are listening. Perspective is Go an ahead. amazing thing, sis. That that, yeah, that, that whole issue of perspective and how you look at something, um, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to get off the track, but that that's You're critical. Fine. 
how you yeah. look at and how you perceive the situation. Um, just to give an example, when David sees the battle with Goliath, he looked at it from a different perspective. Everybody else looked at it as hand-to-hand combat and swords and spears and shields. He's three, four, five times bigger than me. He's stronger than me. In a physical confrontation with this giant, I'm never going to win. That was their way of looking at the scenario. But from David's perspective, who'd fought lions and bears and who knew how to sling rocks, he's not thinking hand-to-hand combat. He's thinking, well, I'm going to do to you what I did to the bear and what I did to the lion. I'm going to fight you from a distance. And, and, and he has a quick victory over Goliath. He saw it completely different. And I think that one of the things that has to happen is we have to learn to, when the threat approaches us, stop and go, go to God and allow the Lord to give us, if he's willing because sometimes he doesn't give it to us, but if you will, Lord, open up my eyes and show me how you're looking at this scenario. You know, and, and like ah. my, the, the eyes of my heart and allow me to see this scenario from your perspective and how, because if I start to look at it from your perspective, all of a sudden the impossible is not as impossible. Wow. You know what? I'm, I'm so very proud. No, go ahead. No, I'm just I'm done. Go ahead, sis. Okay. <laughs> I am so very proud of you. I am telling you there are so many things um, that you have just brought to life to even help me with my perspective on tonight to make sure as a refresher and as learning something to to move forward when it comes to believing God in a battle. And then knowing that we can have fear in that battle when it comes to, you know, in this case, walking over something that we don't Mm. like, having to get through something we don't like. You know, we may have to go through some very ugly times in order – oh, that's that's so powerful. We may have to go through some very ugly times to get to the blessing, so we can't have fear. That, that, That just triggered in me. A, a, a new way of looking at some things in my life specifically and personally. Oh, so I appreciate you, brother. I, I I do need you to 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 come back to share. Oh, when I'm so you honored. are ready. This is okay. I'm, I will be Absolutely. so honored. This is incredible. I am so excited, and so I want to tell you. I do want you back. Um, sometime in June, if you're able to, June. Okay. Um, we, we plan out for a while, but sometime in June, I people need to hear what what um, people need to hear. Not only your story, but how your perspective on what happens with especially young black men and how they can yes. get through things. You yes. know. And I don't know, maybe that looks like, I don't know if you're free on the 25th of this month. Or that, I mean, I, there needs to be that. I need, you, I need you to come back to come talk about that, and we'll talk about it on the side. But I am, a, I am 
godly proud. I mean, I'm trying to, I don't want to cry, but I'm godly proud of you and what you have just brought to life for the people of God to hear. And so if those of you who, of you who are out there, I want you to know this battle, you know, he's going to fight it for you. I know you're going through. I know you're struggling. But because of who God is and the love he has for us, he will not leave us nor forsake us. He is Hallelujah. there for us. We just have to trust him. And it's really yes. simple, but we complicate this thing. If we trust yes. him, he will see us through. Now, there's a yes. process to get to that point. <laughs> so yes. allow you to go through that process. Um, Minister Maurice Nelson, thank you so much. Thank you so much. So many people will be blessed. Do you have any last words before we wrap this up? Thank you, Jesus. I, I do want to say that um, I, I honor the Lord for this opportunity, and I do want to just acknowledge um, the hand and the part that you played in my life. Um, this is a unique um, thing that you're doing uh, with Blog Talk Radio, but it's like you. You do unique things. You trust God. You step out on faith. Yeah. And you're having an impact, and um, it just—I just appreciate God. I, I had no idea 20 years ago, riding in your car at a choir rehearsal, that we'd still <laughs> be connected 20 years later, and even helping support each other through the challenges in life and ministering together. That I count it as a privilege, as an honor, um, and a blessing that you would even allow me um, the opportunity to speak to the people of God that are, that are connected to you through this medium. So I'm proud of you for stepping out on faith. And, and praise, praise God, God. the conference you just had, the worship conference and, and the international leader you brought in and, and the level of influence that you have in this mm-hmm. city and that's growing out of this city. So, um, you know, my prayer is that I just can hold the, the water when you when – you, when, you, when, you, when you go to the big time, I just want to hold the water pitcher. I'll pull water for you when you – <laughs> you doing your Kingdom Authority conference to a whole football stadium of people. I'll just I'll hold the water together. pitcher and pray. <laughs> but thank you for having me. I'd be honored to be back um, when you would, you know, allow me to be back. And, I, you know, I look forward to connecting with you. So love you. Love you. Well, praise God. Thank you all again for joining us at Kingdom Authority. I am your host, Reverend Dancia Jones-Morris. Please tune in every Sunday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for those on the East Coast that who continue to be faithful to this broadcast. Thank you so much. And those in other parts of the country, um, outside of the United States, thank you so much. Um, my people in Ghana, West Ghana particularly, and, and some people in South Africa, thank you so much for joining us and continuously coming in. Those in the Texas area that continue to come in, we appreciate you. Let me leave you with this. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Once again, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. God bless you and have a wonderful evening. Thank you for joining Kingdom Authority. Good night.